Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that's powerful and clever and rich and better in every way. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. A long, long time ago, some of our ancestors made a terrible mistake. That is correct. <laughs> and they were us. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Trippy. Welcome back. Mm-hmm. This is the seventh day of Downton. This is the eighth day of Downton. This is the eighth day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boy, I sure could use an alethiometer <laughs> to do my minor calculations for me. Yeah, it seems like it would be a big help on like help on like math homework. Right. So what do we do? Uh, eight. Um, eight demons changing. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Can we remember all the other ones? Okay. So eight, eight demons, demons changing. changing. Seven. Seven. What did we do yesterday? Stinks. A, a, a reeking, smelling. A smelling. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Eight, Eight demons changing. Seven stinks of smelling. Six things a doing. Oh wait, no, we, no, no, no. Which when did we do the ghost ghost one? That was in the there ghosts. Somewhere. The time to time. That was right before Mister Sting. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so six ghosts to ghosting. Five pointless things. Okay. Yeah. Then we'll be on track. Okay. Okay. All right. Shoo. All right. <laughs> All right, and eight. a one, and a two, and a five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> eight, eight demons, demons changing, seven stinks of smelling, six ghosts are haunting, five pointless things, four browns are bearing, three witches witching, two dummies dumbing, and the governed being McGee. This is going okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. So, today, hello. Yes. Uh, number eight, we're three quarters of the way done. That's right. Uh, we're doing The Golden Compass. Yes. Uh, starring a bunch of people. Yeah. Uh, most notably, Jim Carter, for our purposes. Yes, indeed. He does slightly better in this one than he did in The Witches. Yes. Um. Yeah, so this movie... So, we love His Dark Materials, the series, or at least I did. Yeah. I was talking to Red Scott recently of Boar's Gore and Swords mm-hmm. fame, and he just read them for the first time. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, like, 22-year-old Red would have, like, really loved these. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that was, like, right when I read them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're a nice little kind of atheist primer. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they could possibly reaffirm your commitment to charismatic religion. That's possibly true. Uh, um, no, but, I mean, look, they're good. Yeah, uh, they're certainly not bad. I just um, now I'm I feel hesitant to like go back and reread them, right? Because I was so much angrier at the time, uh, yeah, about but God think, and stuff. I think they. I mean, I think all that stuff aside, it's just such a good, you know, just in terms of the adventure it's story adventure and the story. interesting world building yeah, and all that. I agree. Yeah, the world building in the books is so good, and this movie just stomps all over it. Yeah, and you know, it was it's a challenging book to adapt. It's a very challenging book to adapt because every single character comes with an animal that is, ha- you know, near it all the time. Yeah. So. And like, is that person yeah. in a way? Like, it's, it's very weird. Yeah. There are, the BBC is doing an eight part miniseries mm-hmm. of it. Uh, variety was unclear as to whether that is the entire series or oh, just okay. the Golden Compass. I hope it's the whole series. Yeah. I don't think you need eight hours just to tell the first book. Yeah, probably not. I feel like, yeah, I feel, yeah. 
I feel, it, it, except then I'm like, isn't eight hours a little bit short for all three though? But you know, whatever. It is. We, you we'll know, find it's out. It's just been so long since I read them that I don't remember all of the minute plot points of each one. Sure. So I guess what I'm saying is I'm going to have to reread the book. <laughs> it may turn um, out to be so. Yeah, because I don't remember a ton about them, but I do remember just watching this movie. I'm like, man, that book was better. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, definitely. Um, Anyway, so, okay, so here's some background on this. Like, number one, we loved the books. Right. We read them long about 2005, and this movie came out 2007. Sounds about right. And so, like, it had been adapted in 2003 by Tom Stoppard. Mm-hmm. Chris Weitz, uh, one of the geniuses behind <laughs> American Pie, sure. loved the books as well. Um, he was like a very outspoken atheist in like the heyday of like Christopher Hitchens and Richard Dawkins and mm, Sam okay. Harris, you know, all of the patriarchs of atheism. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he was very outspoken at that time and he lucked out and was like signed up to direct this movie, which was supposed to be New Line Cinema's answer to the Harry Potter franchise. Right. Yeah. Um, so he threw out the Tom Stoppard adaptation of these books. Yeah. Tom freaking Stoppard. Tom Stoppard. This guy, this guy comes and is like, Tom who? Yeah. Uh, hang on. I'm just polishing all my golden Razzies from American <laughs> Pie. <sighs> yeah. So that's disturbing. Tom Stoppard. And not just chucked it out to adapt it himself. Yeah. Yeah. To again, the venerated wordsmith behind <laughs> the sparkling screenplay for American Pie yeah. decides he can do better than Oscar, at least nominee, if not winner. I'm pretty sure. Tom Stopper. Yeah. I think Shakespeare and Love won for Best Adapted. I think adapted. it did, too. Yeah. If they gave it to Gwyneth, they had to give it to Tom Stopper. <laughs> right. Like, come on. Yeah. Anyway, so he did that. Mm-hmm. Now, that was dumb. Yes. But he was doing it and that was fine. Because right. I remember being very like, I was like reading all these websites about the production uh-huh. and stuff. So New Line basically took his final cut and recut the whole movie. Yeah. And spoiler alert, it shows. Yeah. Um, second of all, recast a bunch of the voice actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy who was supposed to play Yorick, uh, Bjornsson? Bjornsson? Berenson? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, it was actually Triple X from yeah. <laughs> uh, Cinderella and Game of Thrones, right. whose real name is Nancy something. Okay. Um, anyway, he was supposed to do it, and you can, again, tell, because Ian McKellen, I hate, 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 hate him as in this Yorick. role yeah like, Yurik is supposed to be this sort of like scrappy underdog dude right right and yeah and i mean ian mckellen like not only is he a bad i mean i just feel like he just legit does a bad job yeah i think i mean i just think it's not good voice work i you know because when you contrast it ian mcshane voices ragnar yeah. or something whose name is like yofer in the book or something yeah yeah, yeah. anyway his voice work is great, mm-hmm. and the the bear's face makes sense with the voice. Yeah, yeah. And the bear that Ian McKellen is voicing has a much younger face. Yeah. And I'm like, why is this like a hundred and seven year old man doing this? Right, right. And how is he a contemporary of Lee? Like Lee Scoresby's up there. Yeah, yeah. But you know, Sam Elliott's always been like sixty seven. <laughs> right. So anyway, didn't he was like born that part. with that mustache. And I'm assuming that it was the studio 
that put and we can go ahead and kick off the recap here so the movie kicks off with ava green doing a voiceover that basically just spoils the whole movie yeah yeah, it's like it's like if Soylent Green opened with a voiceover saying, so Soylent Green's made out of people. We all know this. Right. <laughs> and we understand that demons are a difficult concept to understand. No, I've never seen Soylent Green. I'm assuming that's not how it opens. <laughs> <laughs> so Ava Green is like, in this world, <laughs> that is evil. Hang on, no, that's my favorite show, A Haunting. Yeah. Um, no, but just explaining all the secrets that are supposed to get revealed over the course of the book or of the novel or the movie. And that's one of the whole joys of the book is, is learning these mysteries. Yeah. As you and go along. She with- says, oh, there's only one person who can read the alethiometer. And you're like, you don't find that out until like the second book. Right. Like, listen, we all understand that the first person we see on the screen is going to be the chosen one. Yeah. This is a fantasy movie. This is movie. a fantasy we don't, movie. We know that. But also, bear in mind... So we're probably going to spoil things for his dark materials. Oh, right. In this. Yeah, that's probably Yeah, true. so just be aware. Like, if you and the kids fact, haven't read it yet... We'll state explicitly, we're going to spoil the end of this book, which is not the same as the end of this movie. Yeah, and possibly the end of the series, yeah, but so maybe just, not. Just be aware of that. Anyway, okay. Uh, yeah, so such a terrible opening. It yeah. is so bad. Yeah. Like, even for stupid openings like this, this has yeah. got to be, like, bottom five. No, and this is where we think this must have been the studio being like, oh, people never understand. They're going to be confused. They'll get skittish. Yeah, and uh, this is so... The whole thing is so art by committee. Yeah. Well, and they obviously went into it terrified that people would be mad about the movie's atheist message. Yeah. And I'm like, if you're terrified of people being upset by the atheist message of these atheist books, yeah. do not make this movie. Right. Like, yeah. they did very well. Like, the book sold quite a bit. Yeah. But, like, you know, they were never Harry Potter level. Sure. It's like, if you don't feel like you can commit to that actual source material, yeah. then you are not the studio to make this movie. Right, right. Like, it's ridiculous. It is. Ah, it could have been so great. Yeah. Like, and this series could have been, this could have been the Hunger Games. You know uh-huh, what I mean? Uh-huh. It could have been. And that's, uh, you know, the thing about this movie is Way that, better world building. Yeah. Yeah. Um, relative to the other movies that we've not liked in this little series here, like, this is a much better movie as a movie than other things that we've hated. But it's so such a bad adaptation it is it's, and it's not a great movie it by no I, it grew know. on me a little bit by the end and yeah. i did actually have a genuine emotional response to one thing yeah so i'll and give it that yeah i mean it's it's got its moments and it's not it's like a c plus yeah it's it yeah but it is just if you've read the books the books manage to be like the books take their time and this is right. like whoop, whoop, whoop. all right we met the egyptians gotta meet the bear like yeah you know it's just like rushing through all of these things versus the book like and the books are action-packed it's yeah. not as if the books have this slow pace yeah it's just more that people are allowed to take their time and you don't get enough of lyra being lyra silvertongue in this yeah her whole character is kind of told and not shown yeah which is re- this is one of the best young adult heroines of all time mm-hmm. like yeah such a great heroine yeah and you don't get that yeah well i mean you just barely get they fit everything in and none of it gets its credit i mean i think the worst is the witches who exist like they're really like well we need these witches to come in in this battle at the end so we'll just introduce and like there's no explanation of what their deal is or why and that's the you thing. know and i mean again 
that's why world building is so hard because yeah. if you're going to do a good job, it has to be really thorough. Mm-hmm. It has to be explained in a way that is organic to the story and the lived reality of these characters. Right. And instead what we get, it feels like they just made the elevator pitch. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They're like, oh, demons. And then there's some witches and the studio's like, great, do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, let's do the actual recap and we can complain more as we go. <laughs> we will. Uh, so we see Lyra and various children having like a mud fight. Uh, they are chasing Lyra and Roger, uh, but she says they can't go any further. The gate that she is standing in is cursed. Uh, and they're all like, Psh, whatever. No, it isn't. And she eventually talks them into leaving. Um, we see, uh, Lord Asriel, Daniel Craig. He's greeted as he arrives at the university. Looks a little glass ball he's holding. We see Lyra sneaking into the retiring room, uh, to steal a cap uh but people are coming so she hides in a closet uh some guy says that lord asriel will be silenced and poisons the drink that is sitting on the table then asriel is shown in and he pours himself a drink which lyra leaps out of the closet and knocks out of his hand so he shoes her back into the closet and the scholars and a very evil looking guy enter no it's again it's you know hecubus from kids in the hall playing all of the evil people in this movie and (laughs) their entire subtext is evil Uh uh-huh evil so Azrael puts that glass ball into a projector and he says, this is a picture of dust, uh, coming from the sky into this, uh, man. man. Yeah. Through this, his demon. Yeah. This dude. Uh, so he is going to go travel there for more researches. So once they're gone, Azrael scolds Lyra for, uh, you know, sneaking around and so forth. Won't tell her about dust or anything. His demon is a snow leopard, I believe named Stella Maria. Yes. I believe that is correct. Voiced by Kristen Scott Thomas, who has one line. Yeah. It's like, okay. I mean, I guess. Could have probably just gotten a Kristen Scott Thomas impersonator. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pan or Pantalaemon is uh, Lyra's demon and is the only one that has very many lines at all. Yes. Voiced by Freddie Highmore. Also a replacement for the original voice. Oh. So they replaced uh, Yurik and also Pan. Okay. I did find him a little like... Cloying. Yeah. It's real. I think it's just kind of impossible and yeah. we'll see again if the bbc can do it okay because yeah. like now not only is there this animal that uh-huh. is going everywhere with her that also is her yeah it shifts in shape yeah constantly right it is an insane thing to have to try to maneuver around yeah and to be honest like that particular aspect of things this movie does a pretty solid job it on. does i mean it's really like the only thing it does well yeah yeah Lyra hangs out with Roger on the roof, and they talk about the fact that kids have been disappearing. They've been captured by gobblers. That was what they were playing at the beginning. They were playing gobblers. Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, And then Lyra is summoned down to her room by Mrs. Hoggett (gasps) from Bay. Hooray! Yeah. So she brushes her hair, and Lyra's very like, I don't like being cleaned up. Oh, he basically never comes back. I don't think Daniel Craig was a good choice for Lord Asriel. Yeah. Like, he's... It's you such know, a weird character, and I found out Clive Owen was in the running, and I'm like, he would have made a lot more sense, because Lord Azrael has this sort of, like, menacing reserve in the book, but he also can be very quick to anger, and yeah. he basically does that in his one scene with Lyra, where he's like, what do you know about dust? And yeah. we're like, only what's, you know, Ava Green told us. <laughs> right. Um, but he's he's got to have this sort of weird, magnetic, and yet simultaneously off-putting energy yeah and daniel craig is a very handsome man he's got a very unfortunate van dyke uh, (laughs) in this but it's it just didn't quite work for me yeah not quite and also 
so like he you know he didn't drink the wine but then like he doesn't actually tell them that it was poisoned yeah like he tells them not to drink it yeah but like, nobody it else corked. wanted any of the golden takai like <laughs> what's up yeah nicole kidman arrives oh my gosh yeah so she gets her big entrance uh and uh, she is mrs coulter is her name or mrs coulter depending on who you're talking to <laughs> right that is true uh, she defends Lyra, who's being uh, scolded by the headmaster or whatever. Uh, mentions that she has met the Bear King up in uh, Bear territories, Fallbard. Uh, and that he, the Bear King, desperately wants a demon of his own. So, okay. She also mentions that she needs an assistant on her next trip north, and maybe somebody around here happens to be longing to go north. <gasps> How convenient. <laughs> yeah. I, the, and Philip Pullman wanted Nicole Kidman as, Philip Pullman wrote the books, by the way. Yeah. Uh, in case you weren't aware. Mm-hmm. I think maybe we already said that, but I'm not sure. Sure. He wanted Nicole Kidman for this role, but one of the things that I love about her in the book is that she is a brunette. Mm. And she's like the most beautiful woman. Yeah. In, you know, this world. Yeah. Um, I just wish that she was a brunette. Yeah. But apart from that. Oh, yeah. She does a fine job. Yeah. Yeah. She's a good villain. Actually, Ava Green would have done a great job in this role. No, I think you're right. I think a better job, honestly. Possibly, yeah. Nicole Kidman's just so breathy. She is. And I really, I really liked her villainous turn in Paddington, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But like, I don't, it did, it just didn't quite work for me. I didn't get the emotional connection she's supposed to have with, with Lyra. Right. Well, I mean, I think that's true, but I think that's more just about the script and the rushed, like, sort of way everything happens yeah because honestly there's so much more time spent with mrs coulter before lyra realizes what's up yeah yeah so anyway yeah roger hangs out with billy who's one of the gyptians uh and then the golden monkey that is mrs coulter's demon grabs uh billy's demon and they're like what yeah which is a weird way to tip the hand super early yeah but like I don't know. Again, this is clearly a movie that's like, we better telegraph literally everything that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, so we see Derek Jacoby, of all people. What? As like the head priest or whatever. Uh, of the magisterium. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So he's complaining about Lord Asriel to... Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee. And this is a very like, this is like the council of evil gathered yeah. around their evil table. Evil. <laughs> Have you guys thought about... Hey guys, have you thought about what would happen if maybe, just like maybe we didn't seem evil all the time? Seems like we'd be able to be a lot more evil. No, it reminds me of some old Simpsons where it was like Mr. Burns and some other people and it was like like in this stone chamber and everything. Mm -hmm. They were like the Republicans maybe. Yeah, it was. Yeah, because it was like, now Bob Dole will read from the Book of the Dead. (laughs) (laughs) It was great. Anyway. Uh, yeah, that headmaster is worried about defying the magisterium, but heard something from the witches about something, because we need to mention that the witches exist. He gives- I wonder if they have violet eyes and square feet. <laughs> Here's hoping not. Ah. No, they, uh, they look- Yeah, these witches are the opposite of the witches and the witches. Yeah, they're, they're hot. Oh, they're hot, and they also <laughs> are pro-helping children. Yeah, yeah. So. Versus turning them into mice and then killing them. <laughs> yeah. That's really more of a Mrs. Coulter thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So the headmaster gives Lyra the alethiometer or a golden compass. Uh, a fun game to play if you're an adult and of age is take a drink every time they say golden compass in this movie. It is surprisingly often. Especially since at the end, the book that it's based on is credited with its UK title, Northern Lights. Yeah. So, again, man, come on. America, get it together. There's no yeah. reason that that book could not have been called Northern Lights here. I know. But I mean, I don't know. I don't. I think Golden Compass is a better name for it. Yeah. So I think I think that's fine. But the Golden Compass is actually a reference to Paradise Lost, as is oh, yeah. most of this. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. His I... Dark Materials is, but the Golden Compass was actually like like a math compass oh, that okay. God used to like you know decide what the universe you know where, okay. where did it end. I see. Uh, in I assume the void of nothingness. Yeah. That was there before God and his golden compass came on the scene. Sure. I have not read Paradise Lost. I don't really have any desire to. Yeah. I've read The Sandman and I've read this and I feel like that's pretty much all I need to do. <laughs> yeah, I think you got it. I don't like covered. old English. Yeah. Except for that one poem uh by John Donne that's about uh, a compass. Oh, okay. A valediction for bidding morning. Okay. He says, like, they're in love. And he's like, we're like a compass. And, like, whenever I go far from you, like, I can't go that far. Because, like, we're in love. If he had read his dark materials, he might have compared them to a demon. But. <laughs> he might have. But, <laughs> unfortunately, he died before those books were published. <laughs> what because a shame. He was a metaphysical 18th century poet. My love is like a demon. And not one of those witch kinds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to receiving that poem from you on Christmas morning. Spoil the surprise. You know how we feel about surprises. We're on record on this podcast. We're yeah, a ginnum. That's true. Anyway, he gives Lyra the lithiometer and says to make sure Mrs. Coulter doesn't find it. So uh, Mrs. Coulter meets Lyra as they leave the college and they get into a uh, Zeppelin I bet Mrs. Coulter's never even seen the inside of a public blimp. <laughs> Probably not. She's seems uh, very privileged. The college is called Jordan College, yeah. but it is Oxford. Yeah. It is actually Oxford. And yeah. all of their shooting there had to be done at night with artificial light oh. because the local council would not let them shoot during the day. <laughs> because that's what you can do when you're Oxford. Yeah. You know why I bet they did that? I bet it was for Tom Stoppard. Yeah, that's probably why. <laughs> Solidarity. No, they were like, this one won't stand, Tom. <laughs> We uh, can't stop them because, you know, income. <laughs> we'll make it really hard. So they arrive at Mrs. Coulter's mansion. Uh, Lyra looks at her alethiometer and is like, huh, what a weird thing. Uh, then she gets a makeover. <laughs> <laughs> makeover, 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 makeover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For you and your demon. <laughs> they got to a fancy dinner. Uh, once they get home. Pan tells Lyra that, you know, they seem like they're having a great time, but really they're prisoners there. Uh, Lyra talks about dust in front of Mrs. Coulter, who is like, hey now. Well, mainly her monkey. Yeah. Her golden monkey, whose name is Ozymandias, and doesn't speak. No. Unlike every other demon. Right. So that's... That's strange. A thing that is true. Yeah. I just realized that now. Yeah. What? (laughs) Um, Yeah. So that happens, and that monkey loses its monkey mind yeah 
it is upset yeah. that Lyra knows about dust. Yeah. So then Coulter is like, hey, why don't you take your shoulder bag off? And Lyra's like, no. And she's like, oh, okay. And then her monkey attacks Pan and it's like, you know, vicious. Well, and like if a demon is hurt or a person is like the pain is the same. Yeah, they feel which it. Which we have some issues with later. Right. But yeah, uh, yeah. it is an effective uh thing like yeah. it's upsetting yeah, to it, see these two psychically linked you know individuals experiencing right. this pain yeah yeah so once they get back to lyra's room they discuss uh, you know their predicament so lyra sneaks into mrs coulter's office and they find uh a uh, uh, paper that's called the general oblation oblation board. yeah yeah and that's why they're called the gobblers right which uh you know pan deduces and i'm like that is kind of a stretch but the important thing on that paper is that it has rogers and billy's names on yes. it so yeah uh meanwhile back in their room the monkey is snuck in and has pulled out the golden compass mm-hmm. and they're like oh no uh but pan goes in and attacks it they manage to get away and escape out the window with the alethiometer and they shut the window on the monkey's hand yeah. which mrs coulter then feels yeah yeah coulter coulter <laughs> coulter 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 car <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so she is chased through the streets by people and is caught, but then saved by a crew of Egyptians. <gasps> Including the head Egyptian, Mr. Carson! That's right. Uh, also Ma Costa, who played a Mrs. Bartlett in two episodes of Downton Abbey. And we cannot remember who that was. Yeah. Like, so at all. if any of you remember who Mrs. Bartlett is... It would have been, if it was 2012... Right. That would have been series three. Right. I believe so. Mrs. Bartlett. Yeah. Your guess is as good as dead, Matthew. <laughs> yeah. The only Mrs. Bartlett I know was the president's wife on the West Wing. Yeah. The only Mrs. Bartlett I know is the wife of that guy from the quotations books. <laughs> the power behind the throne. <laughs> the quote. <laughs> so on the Egyptian's boat, uh, Mr. Carson, John Fa, he fills in. I'm sorry. He wasn't there to save her. Right. He's yeah. met later. Yeah. Uh, but he's there. He fills in Lyra on, you know, some more world building stuff. She reveals the alethiometer and another guy there, Father Coram, Coram, uh, explains how it is supposed to work. Uh, so he seems like their hedge priest. Yeah. Yeah. Like in the same way, like that the masters at the Jordan College, you know, are like theologians, but they're also like educated, learned people. Right. Right. He's the Egyptian equivalent of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, see... I feel like Philip Pullman was like, you're not the only one who could make a word, like, slightly different from how it is in reality, <laughs> J.K. Rowling. Oh, you want Latin? I'll give you... I'll give you Paradise Lost. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here, J.K. I think he was fine with her. Yeah, he's probably... I'm sure, you know, they meet each other at functions, I oh, think. yeah. So, yeah. He did... He was quoted as, like, Harry Potter gets all this flack from these like christian organizations and he's like yeah i'm saying much worse stuff <laughs> and nobody says anything <laughs> he said some very naughty things about no god. he's like my books are literally about killing god yeah so you know it's weird that they're mad at her yeah so lyra reads the alethiometer for the first time and every time she does it in this movie it's this dumb thing where like the camera zooms in and then it's like this world it's of this dust whole cgi with the in it. blah 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 and like the Dakota Blue Richards, despite her ridiculous name, <laughs> yeah. is a very capable actress, yeah. and it would be better if she just were allowed to act. Yeah, yeah. She isn't given a ton of breathing room to actually emote. Yeah, no, she seems to be doing a fine job. 
in but spite of everything. But it's just constantly being shoved from scene to scene. Yeah. Just let her get her head together. Yeah. Uh, we see children in white in a disturbing dystopian institute being told to write letters home, uh, including Billy and Roger. At the Magisterium. Billy refuses to write. Yeah. Because he's supposed to be like, oh, I'm fine. And he's like, and the woman's like, oh, don't Egyptians teach their children to write? And he says, it teaches to write the truth. It's great. It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Way the kids go, are good in this. They are. Good yeah. job, kids. Yeah. I'm sorry you didn't get any more of this franchise. <laughs> yeah. At the Magisterium, Coulter talks with that evil priest about Lyra uh, and opens a box with some gold wasps in them that look scary. From Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the Frozen North. Asriel uh, is walking through it, announces to himself out loud where he is, like you do. Oh, uh, yeah, totally. All the time. Yeah. Uh, I'm the- at a table <laughs> in my apartment. <laughs> That's right. And then is attacked and captured by some uh, Semoyeds, I believe, is their name, right? Okay. The Inuits? Yeah. I can't remember. Except they're European, so they're not Inuits, but... I think it's Samoyed. Okay. Um, Are they European? Yeah, they're up in the north of Norway. Right. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah. I'm very Amerocentric. <laughs> no, I understand. Have you heard about Hamilton? <laughs> yes. On, on the Egyptian's boat, those scary wasps attack. Uh, one of them is caught and sealed into a tin, and uh, so that seems fine. Uh, John Fa explains their mission. They're Should g- they choose to accept it? Yeah, which they do. <laughs> spoiler alert it's actually more of a debate in the books this one he's just announcing yeah this doing. is just like how in the books of lord of the rings there's a whole debate about whether or not mary and pippin should like go with frodo and sam versus in the movie they literally just roll down a hill <laughs> yeah and it's like uh-oh you know <laughs> these uh ring writers are after us i guess we're doing this now we're on the team now yeah night uh, Lyra and Pan are uh, hanging out on the boat. And all of a sudden, Serafina Pecola? Yeah, Serafina Pecola. Yeah, except they say Pecola. Uh, okay, well, it's Finnish by way of England, so... Right. yeah. I mean, I guess they're just anglicizing it, but in yeah. Finland it would be Pecola. Anyway. Uh, she asks Lyra to read the alethiometer for her, uh, says that she will need courage, and then bounces. So it's, again, like, wow, what an Thanks. important cool. thing that was. Ava Green looks super beautiful. Yeah. Uh, this was, like, peak Ava Green. Yeah. And, like, we all thought something was going to happen with her, yeah. and then, like, nothing happened. Yeah. Weird. It was... No, she was coming right off of uh, Casino Royale. Yeah. Uh-huh. This, you know, happened and was supposed to be good, and then it was just like, pew! Yeah. Well, I hope she's happy. Me too. <laughs> the ship arrives at their port. Uh, we meet Lee Scoresby. And he sees Lyra with her alethiometer and suggests that... And his demon Hester. Yes. These are our favorites. They are our favorites. Oh, man. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It gets very emotional in the books with these two. It does. Uh, Hester is voiced by Kathy Bates, mm-hmm. who I believe also has one line. Yeah. I believe that is correct. She's like, Lee! <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, yeah. That's basically it. Yeah. <laughs> you now know her entire part. Pshaw! <laughs> I'm Kathy Bates. <laughs> Lee Scoresby suggests that Lyra hire an aeronaut, which is convenient because that is what he is. I can't believe that Sam Elliott wasn't in Deadwood, man. Yeah, yeah. I think he was just too much for Deadwood. He probably was. They were like, well, we're doing you, but like spread out over like a bunch of people. So it's fine. Yeah. Uh, And also to hire an armored bear. And he says, good news. There's one in town. 
that bear, we meet him. Uh, his name is Yorick Bjornsson or whatever yeah. his last name is. Uh, he is very cranky and drunk. Uh, and Lyra says that she is disappointed in him as a bear. Uh, but he complains that he has no armor. Uh, that's a Panzerbjorn's whole thing. Yeah, exactly. That's what makes them an armor they bear. They don't call them Panzerbjorns enough for me in this movie. <laughs> yeah. It's like, just Panzerbjorn! Like, yeah, it's a fun word. It's a like, great word. You should go with that. Yeah. Make that your vocab word of the day, everybody. <laughs> We're getting into conversation casually. Yeah. The- oh, I was drunker than a Panzerbjorn. <laughs> well, challenging, but, you know. I believe you push in, yourself. The, in the abilities of our cousins. <laughs> Uh, Lyra uses the lithiometer, figures out where the armor is, and the bear's like, great, I'm going to help you. Now I have to run amok. So he goes off and runs and, like, busts into a building and busts out of the building through the wall in his armor. Uh, people are upset, but, like, Lee Scoresby pitches in to help out. And, uh, you know, so they presumably get away. Back at, like, the head office of the Magisterium. It's, like, up in the, like, executive conference room. (laughs) (laughs) Executive evil conference room? No, that's the one that Christopher Lee was in earlier. That's, like, the private evil conference. Oh, okay. This is, like, there's... This This is the the corporate office. Yeah, and this is the one they, you know, if they're doing interviews with, like, you know, the trade press. Okay. They'll bring the journalists in here to interview Derek Jacoby. (laughs) So he's chatting with the evil priest, uh, and we learn that Coulter is heading to the place that the General Ablation Board is running out of, uh, which is like Bolvangar, I think. Uh, I kept thinking of it as Burger King. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it's Bolvangar, but I think Burger King. Yeah. I think we all laughed at Burger King. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. So we see Coulter on her airship looking at a picture of Lyra. Her monkey tries to take the picture away and she slaps it in the face. And then she picks up the monkey and says, I would never hurt you. And I was like, you just slapped that monkey 10 seconds ago. Yeah. And also, if you slapped that monkey, shouldn't your face hurt? Right. You would I think? know this is like peak Nicole Kidman not having any facial expressions <laughs> years, but yeah. like... You should, like, you wouldn't, I realize that self-harm is a real, like, phenomenon that exists. However, in general, wouldn't you just not hurt your demon? Yeah. And can your demon actually act in opposition to you? Like, yeah. I mean, because Lyra's, you know, Pan frequently seems like sort of her, I don't know that I'd say better judgment, but just sort of, you know, in the sense that you are of two minds about anything. Yeah, yeah. He's sort of the cautious, like, voice of reason. Anyway, it's... I this was inserted in the in the film and like Philip Pullman actually like wrote this scene. It's huh. very confusing, but it's and, and I know that Mrs. Coulter's evil or whatever. Right. But it's like don't why why would she be evil to her monkey? Yeah, it seems odd. Yeah, uh, it seems odd. It seems strange. I'm not for it. Yeah. Um. And it feels very inserted into the also, movie. By the way, the other thing about this about demons and the world building so. Everybody acts like nobody's heard of dust. Right. Or like it's something to be hidden, at least from children. Uh Uh-huh. But then anytime a character is killed, their demon disappears into a literal cloud of this dust. Right. Which is a golden dust, which, spoiler alert, is basically like your soul. Yeah. And the animus of the universe. Right. It's like predicated on the idea that energy can neither be created nor destroyed. Yeah. It's a cool concept, poorly executed here, because like, okay, we're not supposed to know about dust, but when but, literally every time anybody dies, their demon turns into this thing so, like nobody's supposed to know about. Right. I don't understand like the magisterium. Like you're not. 
I fully support a church's mandate <laughs> to cover up, you know, some nonsense yeah. that they feel is going to harm people. Like uh-huh. that's what churches, you know, like to do. Right. But it's like you can't lie about something so obvious. Yeah. And I think again, I think this is because I yeah, because just, you couldn't you couldn't see it in the I can't remember. I think, I think no, I think in, in the, the books book, they think, just like yeah. disappear, I think. Or I think they just die. Okay. I can't I just remember when one specific demon dies, which right. I, I guess I'm, I just don't want to ruin that part for you guys. Yeah. But like, I just remember like, it was like falling, you know, it was like a, a normal death. Right. But I don't know. Yeah. It's been too long. Yeah. I don't want to go on record saying one thing or the other, but they definitely didn't dissolve into dust. Right. Like, Not into. Dust couldn't be seen. S- sparkly. Cl- yeah. Well, that's the, yeah. Dust couldn't be seen. The only reason he got that picture at the beginning was because he had this special like lens. Yeah. And like. So if we can't see it, then don't show it to us. <sighs> anyway. White. <laughs> so you see Lyra walking along with Yorick and the Egyptians. Uh, they go into camp. Lyra uses an alethiometer and sees something startling in it. So she leaves and goes to uh, Yorick and says that something to do with the a gobblers ghost. or a ghost. There's is- a there's a there's a lake with a like house next to it uh-huh. and it's having trouble about a ghost. Yeah, and she doesn't quite know what it means, but she needs to go figure it out. Yeah, so she's like, uh, "Can you give me a ride over there?" And Yorick's like, uh, "Okay." Which again, this is a much more protracted negotiation because he's like, "One does not simply ask to ride <laughs> a Panzer Bjorn." Yeah, because it is. It's it's. The Panzer Bjorns are fascinating because we know the king wants his own demon. Mm-hmm. They are these, you know, sentient bears who think of themselves as being very human-like. Yeah. And they're very proud and they are not like beasts of burden. Yeah. So for her to ask him this is very insulting. Right. It's like touching a black person's hair without their permission. Yeah. Or actually really even asking to do that because right. it's just hair, yo. Yeah, yeah. But it's just, it's, it's, it's not done. Right. And we get no indication of that because this movie is sad. So they're galloping along. They see witches flying through the air to war, we we're told. Uh, Lyra sneaks into the dark, seemingly abandoned house. It's like a shed more yeah, than a house. Yeah, you're right. I mean, well, yeah. you wouldn't be able to tell that. The alethiometer, by the way, I find it interesting because it is... It's a very complex thing mm-hmm. to have to handle. Yeah. Because you have to set these three hands uh-huh. to these symbols to ask the question and it's like very metaphysical yeah and then the answer comes to you from the other the blue hand yeah stopping at these various symbols it's like sort of like a ouija board yeah but it's just like you have to you have, you have to, to interpret be, it you have to interpret it it's it's very complicated and that's part of why nobody can do it there are other more woo-woo reasons that nobody yeah. can do it but it well, is in the book it's not the only one in the world she's the only one that can read it but it's not the only one yeah there are like 10 I think. yeah or something like that and and other people are sort of able to read it using like giant reference books and with yeah. great difficulty but she can do it intuitively and that's why she's so special yeah she's like the bobby fisher of well the and it's like <laughs> and it used to be that people could read them more easily uh-huh and then i think it has something to do with dust one would imagine basically everything comes back to dust in this eventually <laughs> yeah uh, but what she finds in this shed is Billy, and Billy does not have his demon. And so this is what made me cry. Yeah. This they did a great job yeah. with, and the kid who played Billy was so good. Yeah. I was like sad he didn't get cast as Roger. Yeah. 
because he was so much better than the kid playing Roger. Yeah. I also just didn't like the kid playing Roger's nose. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. That kid. I yeah. hope you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, no. And I mean, and I remember this from the book that he had like a dead fish. Yeah. That he was holding. That was his ratter. Yeah. Was the name of his, uh, demon. Yeah. And it is like, I don't even want to keep talking about it because yeah, the it's... idea that somebody, A, could take your soul away from you mm-hmm. and B, would do it at all yeah see without your consent yeah and to a child yeah to a tiny baby what that's just one of the great accomplishments of the book is to introduce this concept of demons and like like get you used to it and used to it and used to it until so finally when this is revealed you feel how horrible it is yeah. and the weight of like just the, the huge violation yeah and it's yeah. really masterful and they actually don't mess it up here yeah so good job whites and co yeah but no i mean it, it, it is uh it's just awful yeah so lyra rides back with billy to the camp uh and then they are a- and then they ruin it yeah because they did this so well and she brings him back and his mother is you know yeah just happy he's back she's like you're safe now she's like we'll get your demon back and i'm like how did you even know like yeah it's like there's no there's no real moment of her acknowledging yeah. that there's no demon there because i mean it's so integral that i'm totally i totally buy that she would see that ratter wasn't there yeah but like acknowledge to him yeah. you know what i mean yeah yeah and, well but i mean and that part of why it's so upsetting is that there is a clear physiological effect yeah in having done this like he yes. looks terribly sick yeah he is uh mentally very confused yeah um he just keeps asking where she is yeah yeah anyway let's not talk about it anymore because i'm gonna start crying okay uh then they're all ambushed by the semoeds and lyra is captured uh and she is going to be a gift for the bear king uh-oh yeah what do you get the bear that has everything <laughs> a small child yeah human child Lee Scoresby's on the airship chatting with Yorick, uh, who insists on coming with him to Svalbard, even though Lee Scoresby's like, you know... They're going to kill you. They're going to kill you. You're an outlaw there. Uh, and Yorick is like, I wouldn't be able to, you know, I would be ashamed of myself if I didn't go. I have to go. Well, he says he would be ashamed if he wasn't as brave as Lyra. Yeah, yeah. Who's pretty brave. Yeah. She's a brave kid. No doubt. So we meet the Bear King, who has a little doll. <laughs> That's his fake demon. Yeah. Uh, so Lyra comes up with a plan. She claims to be Yorick's demon. She tells Pan to hide. Yeah, yeah. That's key to her plan. Uh, and says that not only that, but if the king defeats Yorick in single combat, and only if he defeats him in single combat, will she become the king's demon instead? And she wants to be his demon because he's better in every way. Yeah. No, it's because she's, like, more powerful and richer and... Better in every way. Like no, she runs, and he, yeah. like, he buys it. Yeah, I'm like, good for you. He totally does. Uh, the king asks her to prove she is a demon, so she says to ask her a question that only he knows the answer to, and then she uses her demon mirror <laughs> to find the answer. This is where I thought, kind of like, when she finds Billy Costa, I thought the whole movie got better. Yeah, um, yeah. Not just, not just because, of, but just I feel like the action got more interesting. Yeah, I agree. So Yorick comes up. Gallops across the landscape. Uh, Lyra runs out, meets him just outside, and fills him in on what's going on. What's going on? <laughs> and I said, hey, hey, hey. Then it's... Uh, hey, hey, hey. And then... I said, hey. <laughs> and then it's time. <laughs> what's going on? I'm done now. Okay. 
bear fight. Bear fight. <laughs> bears are fighting. Man, kids love bears. Yeah. They yeah. have been in a lot of the things that we're covering. That's true. I don't know what it is. Like like teddy bears, yeah. sure. But like actual bears are terrifying. Well. But kids uh, like terrifying things. They do. And these bears are certainly terrifying in their armor and their fight to the death. Uh, which ends with Yorick, like swiping the bear king's lower jaw clean off yeah and they do a nice job of not showing us how horrendous that must look yeah uh which i appreciated because i was like seriously yeah once again (laughs) though new line somebody at some executive level surely read this book (laughs) and was not like oh this is upsetting yeah uh we don't maybe want to do this yeah apparently not so yorick wins he's the king now that's good they ride to Bolvangar. Uh, they come to this ice bridge over a cliff, uh, or like a gorge, uh, which is only... Sorry, I didn't say this, but uh, the Ragnar, the polar bear uh-huh. king, was like, I need a demon. All I have is this stupid Courtney Love doll. <laughs> Sorry, I keep being slow with my punchlines, everybody. Yeah, that's all right. I'm not apologizing to you. <laughs> well, you said everybody. Well, to be fair. everyone but Tom. I'm sorry. <laughs> to Tom, I say, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. So this ice bridge is uh, too weak to carry a bear's weight, and barely enough to carry Lyra. It collapses behind her. So she's on her own. She heads to the building uh, and claims to have gotten lost in the snow. To the attendant who opens the door, who's like, evil, yeah, evil <laughs> greetings, evil. He is, when people warn you about strangers, it's this sort of stranger that they are warning yeah. you about. When they say stranger danger, there should be a picture of this guy. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he's like, yeah, come on in. Join the general population. No need to ask. Yeah, no processing yeah. or intake. Right. Uh, we believe your fake name that you gave us. Yeah. No. This is all totally standard. Orientation or anything. Uh, but she finds Roger there and says that she has a plan and to tell all the kids to get their warm clothes uh, on deck. Because they just have access to that? Apparently. Well, okay, fine. <laughs> Coulter arrives uh, at Bolvangar, says that Asriel uh, has a secret lab and he's going to be arrested and charged with heresy and executed. So don't worry about that guy. Oh, well, too bad for Daniel Craig. Yeah. Then uh, the staff... While they're all chatting about how evil Coulter is. Evil! <laughs> but yeah, then, like, she's more evil than the evil people who run this institution. <laughs> but then Lyra, who was hiding in the room the whole time, as she so often is, uh, is discovered and caught by the staff. So they carry off and they put her in a machine that is the machine that is going to sever... Intercision is what they call yeah. it. And uh, it's just a little cut. Yeah. Uh, and so as the excessively slow cutting device is lowering, (laughs) (laughs) Coulter comes in, sees what's happening and intervenes at the last second. So Lyra wakes up, Coulter is there, says that no one's going to hurt her. Nothing's gonna, I guess it has to be more, nothing's gonna harm you, not while I'm around. You know, and it's like, that's what you said to your monkey too. I know. You hit that monkey and possibly yourself. (laughs) Right. I don't trust you, Coulter. Yeah. And she talks about how uh, dust comes from people being disobedient to authority. The authority. The authority, yes. Which is God. Right. Which is not 
explicated at all right in this because chris white was like oh we're not going to talk about religion at all yeah and all the fans were like <laughs> because that is the whole point of the book yeah he's like oh no it'll it'll all be in there just with like euphemisms right i'm like uh, if you're gonna again if you're gonna do it then do it that's i mean not- clearly it didn't work yeah so i don't know why i'm so upset <laughs> And anyway, Liar makes the point that, hey, if this is so great, why don't you do it to yourself? And why did you stop them from doing it to me? Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, the process isn't perfect yet. And also, I'm your mom. Yeah. And Liar's like, what? And she's like, yeah. And, and she figures out that Lord Asriel is her father. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I wonder how obvious that is to people who haven't read the books. Right. Or if it is at all. Yeah. Because I remember being reasonably surprised i right yeah i think it was such a long time ago no, I, I can't know. remember like, it's hard to say but, how we felt but yeah no i, I agree with your your but i mean because it is you know he's referred to as her uncle and she has no reason to think that he's anything but you know yeah so anyway yeah so she asks lyra for the alethiometer and lyra's like sure here's it is in this tin and she hands her the tin that they trapped that wasp in from before so and that wasp had like a paralyzing dart in it yeah which it appears to deploy right into uh nicole kidman's eye yeah so she's out uh so lyra runs off she goes into the room with the machine and just flips all switches all crazy at random alarms start going off and then she like wrecks the machine which like explodes uh-huh. uh so the kids are all running out of the front door but there's a whole army there and all of the army guys, their demons are all wolves. And yeah. I'm like, is this like demon profiling? Like, <laughs> oh, your demon's not a wolf. Sorry, you can't be in our evil army. I was thinking about all the different things, like if demons were real and there'd be all these like BuzzFeed articles, like 21 things that only people with bird demons understand. <laughs> yeah. or, like, <you> know? <laughs> that would be really funny. Um yeah, well, and you said you remembered in the book that like uh, servants would have dogs yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I just, I, I am very curious, like, you know, like, what's, you know, what kind of Egyptian demons are, right, and like, right. you know, class hierarchies, and all that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, which is like, you know, is that's kind of in the book, like, sort of like, vaguely, yeah, it's not sort real, of in it's, the atmosphere. It's not ironclad but, or yeah, anything. Yeah, Well, and the other thing, too, is that, like, demons, um... I don't think we've said this. Demons for kids shapeshift yeah. until they hit puberty. Right. And then they change into something permanently. Right. And that is actually all tied in with this whole dust thing. Yeah. Because yeah. they figured out that That's dust what... is attracted to adults. It is not on children. Yeah. So they're trying to figure out a way to keep dust off of people. Right. Um, and so that's why they're doing this on children because that their relationship with dust is different than yeah. the relationship of adults is. So yeah. that is why they're so evil. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, York shows up, as do all the witches. And they say, hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they know what's going on. It's an army attack. <laughs> uh, so the battle's happening. We see the staff carrying Coulter away. Uh, then the gypsums join in the attack and Lee Scoresby too. And the good guys win yeah. in the end of this battle. Good job, guys. Yeah. But Lyra says that she has to go to Asriel, whose location was not at all well specified in the conversation she overheard. It wasn't. Well, and so she asked the alethiometer something about him, and it was like, you need to take him what he needs. And she thinks it's the alethiometer. Right. That's fair. And also, that's right. She could find him anyway, because she's got the alethiometer. So that's... And her magic braid. (laughs) Yeah. So Roger says he's coming with. And uh, Lyra's like, great. Why wouldn't she want that? 
Uh, Coulter, uh, wakes up, says she knows where Lyra is going. Uh, then we cut to the airship. Uh, Lee Scoresby chats, chats with Serafina, and she says that Lyra is going to decide the fate of an upcoming war, uh, that is all about free will and things like that. And Lee Scoresby is like, you know, whoa, crazy. Yeah, he's a little skeptical too. Yeah, he he's is. like, um, okay. Yeah, he's a bit of the Harrison Ford in this he situation. He very much is. Yeah. Uh, then in the other part of the airship where Lyra and Roger are bedding down with, uh, Yorick, Lyra's checking the alethiometer about her dad and is like, okay. And Roger says goodnight and she's like, okay, come on, Pan, we're going to set things right. And the end? And I was like, oh, whoa. Yeah, because this is not the end. This, this is, is not... where we're going to get into the spoilers. Right. So if you don't want to know, then stop listening. Yeah. Because we actually weren't that spoilery. No, we weren't. So, yeah. Um, because it's too complicated to try to explain <laughs> right. what happens in the next two books. Yeah. But... So the end of the book is actually Lyra gets there mm-hmm. to Lord Asriel's lab. Yeah. He is very upset um, in much the same way that Mrs. Coulter was upset yeah. when Lyra was in that machine because he is upset that it's her. Yeah. But then he sees that she's got this friend with her. So he is opening this portal to this parallel universe. Right. And he needs an enormous burst of energy in order to open that portal. Yeah. So the way that he gets that energy is separating a child from its demon. Yeah. So Lyra was not supposed to bring the alethiometer. She was supposed to bring Roger. Yeah. So he takes Roger and uh, separates him from his demon and the process kills him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Lyra's pretty mad. Yeah. Because that was the whole, for her, yeah, she doesn't know anything about this war or all of this crap that the grown-ups are talking about. Her whole quest was to save Roger. And, like, just, it's gutting. Yeah, it really is. When it happens. And, like, again, New Line is like, you know, (laughs) we are not super sold (laughs) on ending this movie with a child getting murdered by our male lead. Yeah. Um... So let's not do that. Um, yeah. And it's just, again, it's just the fundamental problem with the thing is that they were too afraid of the source material for this to ever be any good. Yeah. I mean, no matter what Chris White's did. Yeah. Uh, after he made a huge mistake. <laughs> right. After, <laughs> he's our ancestor who made a huge mistake. Oh, speaking of which, I kept meaning to point out that the general ob- ablation board is like Joe Bluth. <laughs> 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 their illusions dad <laughs> but the other thing is this whole thing goes real easy for lyra yeah and in the book it is so much more of a struggle yeah and if you if your hero isn't struggling then i don't know what's interesting about yeah. it yeah because i mean lyra is I mean, in, extremely... in that sense it's the same issue as alice through the looking glass yeah yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's not conflict. Yeah. Just every, every conflict. There, I mean, there is conflict. Oh, yeah. 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 Obviously. Versus Alice through the looking yeah, glass. Yeah. But like, there is conflict, but it all gets resolved within 30 seconds of being introduced. Yeah. The longest conflict we see is the fight between the two bears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and the CGI on the bears was actually pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was solid. I was less into that monkey. Yeah. Which apparently was the most complicated thing to CGI animate. Yeah. But I can see that. Anyway, it just, I, there just wasn't any struggle. Yeah. And you need to have that struggle. Yeah. And then the final indignity as the closing credits roll, <laughs> they play this song over it. And I'm like, is this 1994? This song? Um, hey, we just found this in 
Disney's <laughs> dumpster. I guess they're not using it. Can we have it? <laughs> yeah, like, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah, so. It's like, this is. It wasn't unenjoyable yeah it wasn't it It wasn't a complete write-off and like and i have gotten a lot less pedantic as an adult about Uh adaptations yeah i understand compromise now yeah um but this just it's such a good series of books and to see it adapted in this way is a bummer i feel like this is as bad as the adaptation sci-fi is doing of the magicians is gonna be (laughs) yeah anyway yeah uh yeah so that is that. The Golden Compass. Yeah. We would recommend that you read the books, not yeah. necessarily watch the movie. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, uh, it's a perfectly harmless way to kill two hours. Yeah. Agreed. So, yeah. Until next time. Up, up yours, yours downstairs. downstairs. Luncheon out.